Hey, ladies and gents, this is the seventh episode of the Comfort is a Crutch podcast. I wanted to take a second at the beginning of this one to uh, just ask that if you enjoy the show, uh, go ahead and give it a rating on whatever medium you're listening on. Uh, subscribe to it. Uh, if you get something out of it, pass it on to a friend. Uh, I would highly appreciate it. It just would bring more exposure to the show. I have a very interesting guest on today. Uh, we had a great conversation. Um, why don't we just get right into it? Sitting here with Andrew Davis. He runs PopAnimeComics.com. How you doing tonight, Andrew? I am doing fabulous. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I, I wanted to compliment you on your name. It's an awesome name, by the way. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, it took me a while to figure out that name and exactly what I wanted to do. And one of the things about names that that's crucial and just jumping off the point here is that branding and names are so crucial and there's one thing that you get out of this episode at least from my end it's if you're going to start any project make sure that you spend as much time as you want on your name because once you pick a name you're stuck with it and you might as well keep it so you should spend hours if not days just thinking about solely your name and what it, you want it to say about who you are, your project, or anything like that. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. It took me probably, honestly, like a month and a half. Uh, the first half, the first like half a month was me deciding what, where exactly I wanted to go with this podcast idea I had, and then uh, I took a long time trying to figure out the name. And I, I'm really glad I, I took the time because I think I came up with the perfect name for, for what I'm trying to do here. Um, so why don't we go ahead and get right into it. I, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and then just start going into the story of how you got where you are and, and all that kind of stuff. So my story is unique, and before I go into the story, one of the things that I am is I'm always a fan of pop culture. I got into anime, watching anime at a very young age, loving Gundam Wing, not really understanding it. Everybody watched Dragon Ball Z. I was big into Zoids, but then there's this thing called Toonami on, and I just fell in love with anime. And anime, for those who are unaware, is Japanese animation, and there's legitly thousands of shows. It's a fantastic medium, and I fell in love with it. The visuals, the warfare, and it just called out to me. And I was like five, six, watching Dragon Ball Z, and a lot of other things. And then there was other stuff that I was watching when I was seven or eight that I probably shouldn't have been watching and then all the way all the way up through to I was about 12 I was big into anime and then I took a step back got into comic books graphic novels wasn't collecting single issues till later on in my life till my college years but I was reading a lot of Teen Titans loving the Teen Titans loving um, Jeff Johns run on it and so that was my call into comic books. Went through a rough patch in my life. A lot of comic book stuff helped me out, was reading a lot of manga. And then when I was 18, 19, got back into watching a lot more anime. Extensively where I would be watching between my college years, my first four years in college, I watched about 4,000 episodes of anime oh. in those four years. And I love it. And then I became public speaker in anime i was doing youtube videos and that's where my story really kind of takes a bit of a left turn where i was i got on youtube and as people know 
and I've said this on other podcasts, and the story hasn't changed. YouTube has changed, and I'm going to get into that, but I was making videos on YouTube. I was getting monetized, and I was doing okay, and then I decided to inflate my views, click on my views, and basically click on my ads, because the way YouTube worked back in 2013 was that you maybe got a fraction of a penny, or you got a penny per play if they were that generous. But if somebody clicked on your ad, you might have gotten five cents. And so what I decided to do, because I wasn't, you know, the smartest person in toolbox, I guess, not the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, to quote a very interesting band there. Um, but what wound up happening is I was clicking on my ads, and YouTube found that out, and that's their bylaws. And they actually withheld. They basically said that you can't um, monetize with us. We're kicking you off monetization, and that's what happened to me. And so as a result, I tried to fight it for a while, for about two years. I tried to fight it, and then really towards 2014, 2015, I said, screw it. I'm going to go create a website, and I created popanimecomics.com, which, talking about names, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic name for what I want to do because I write about anime, comics, wrestling, and pop culture in general. And I've been doing that, and then I was doing that for about two years or so, maybe a little bit less, and then I was doing these written interviews with all these famous people. Eric Stewart, for, for, for those who don't know who he is, he is the voice of Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! I did um, Janet Varney, who is the voice of Korra from The Legend of Korra, and several other people, several cosplayers, several other people in the comic world and that's uh, stuff who wants to read an interview nothing wrong with it a lot of people like to read interviews in magazines and things like that and I see a lot of websites that do it but I said who wants to read something when they could hear it and then I did this guy called Derek Dula who pretty much is the only Dragon Ball Z expert in the world he's got a bunch of books out really cool guy interviewed him wasn't a podcast said, oh, man, this is kind of cool, cool way to distribute this. Because what wound up happening is that I didn't realize on a website that, that I really can't support audio files. And then following that, I did another three in that style just as a distribution position. And then following that, I said to myself, hey, you know, I'm kind of good at this. I could go and do this as a show. And I've been going pretty much strong ever since. And it's really a fantastic journey for me. And what I feel has really prepared me to the other side of all this is that what really prepared me is I was doing also a lot of public speaking. And I've done a lot of public speaking where I go to anime cons and comic cons and present and on a variety of topics in front of rooms where I've had 20 people in a room and I've had about 300 people in a room. And when you have 300 people in a room, it's an amazing thing and it prepares you like nothing else. So all this was really taken off and ever since it's just been gung-ho, writing for, for the website, doing a little bit of YouTube stuff. I don't do a lot of YouTube stuff anymore, but I'm doing a lot of podcasting and then I'm doing a lot of presentation work. And so that's really my story on how, what happened to me, how I went from basically getting demonetized and losing a good sum of money on YouTube to, to forcing, which forced me out uh, into the, I guess, 
other entities and given the current state of YouTube, you know, would I like Google as an advertiser? Sure. It would be nice to have their backing and their AdSense because I'm banned from AdSense, which is what backs YouTube. But if you look at what's happened on YouTube, it's, it's a mess and it's really, really unpopular and YouTube's actually being sued for about, I think, $12 million on that. And that lawsuit's gonna start actually in October of this year for withholding money from demonetized AdSense users. So, and that's dating back to like 2012. And so there's some serious stuff going on and I don't know which direction you wanna pick out of that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it sounds like you got, you've had quite the journey getting to where you are right now. Um, did you hit any other, uh, big snags in your, um, in your travels? I, obviously, probably your biggest, uh, hurdle was, was getting past the whole, uh, being demonetized on YouTube. Uh, what, um, was there anything else that, uh, was kind of slowing you up along the way? What, what a lot of it is, is that I jumped into all these fields, so I'm a political science major. I know nothing about website design. I knew nothing about writing uh, on the internet. And so what had to happen to me, and, and this is something that, that, that anybody wants to start a project, you know, it's, it's kind of be kind to yourself is really one of the phrases that I like. Because if you look, and, and you can look at me in which that, I think my last article was maybe a month ago, which I'm taking a break from, from writing. But if you look at my very first one and you look at my very last one, there's a difference in quality because when you're writing for the first time, and I think that that's a snag, and maybe snag isn't the right word or hurdle, but it, it definitely, you know when you're not writing well and you know when you're not writing to the right caliber for, for, for an audience you're trying to capture. But at the same time, if this is the first time you've ever done anything like this, you have no mentors. I mean, one of the best things that I picked up just recently is Tim Ferriss' Tribe of Mentors. It's a book. I needed that book five years ago because I didn't have any mentors to, to say, hey, here's what you do or here's how I did my thing. I'm not going to give you all the secrets or I'm not going to give you the entire store, but this is how I did my thing. And I didn't have that with with creating my website. I also didn't know how to monetize. And it's still a semi-struggle where, where I have an idea on how to monetize. I'm, I'm a little bit swamped at, right now, and, and that, that's the other thing is that right now one of my biggest problems is that I'm working a nine-to-five job. I'm working on the podcast. I'm trying to get in writing. And I also want me personal time, which I think I'm entitled to, you know, Sometimes I just don't appreciate myself. Uh, that, that, that's a joke. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's one of the nice things about being single is sometimes I don't appreciate myself. Um, just look it up on YouTube. It's one of the funniest skits I've ever seen. But the point is that that's one of the things that I think struggles is that lack of mentorship is really one of the biggest things because when you don't have a mentor or you don't have a coach, and you, like my parents were supportive, but they're not, they, they could say, hey, you know, we're, we're here and need help, you know, I'll share your article, but they're not telling me when it went to Zay or went to Zach. And that's right. the problem, is yeah. that that's one of the things. And there's somebody whose podcast I've been on, and 
he needs mentorship, and hopefully he's not going to shoot me for, for stating it, but, but, but he's a little bit unfocused, and he's finding his way, and that's what happened to me. And I feel that now, with, with the website and even the podcast, public speaking, and what I do with that, I'm finding my way in all of that. And then the biggest thing is obviously YouTube. Because when you get demonetized on YouTube, and we're not talking about 2018, because YouTube 2012, 2013 is very different from YouTube 2018. And, and I could quickly explain in YouTube 2012 and YouTube 2013, it was the Wild West, where pretty much there was no censorship, there was no PC culture, there, there, there was just produced content. If people like it, you'll make a boatload of money, run with it. Now, since we have become more political as a country, for, for, for 2016 elections on both sides, YouTube has decided, Google's behind it, has decided that they, um, if they don't like what you're saying, they'll demonetize you. They're not going to demonetize your entire account. They'll just demonetize a video. Famously, there, there are two people, and then one side gets demonetized more than the other. But, but we've seen a lot of stuff happen. I mean, the entire PewDiePie incident where he essentially almost got doxxed and lost millions of dollars because people didn't like something he was doing. You know, the concept of vote with your feet is not enough for, for, for YouTube. It's not a free market. And they're a private company, and I get it, but what's happened and what's come out of that, and this is why podcasting websites are really good, and this is what's coming down the pike in the next five to ten years for, for everybody is that Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro, who are conservatives, they use YouTube effectively. Their stuff gets demonetized because they make statements that YouTube disagrees with. YouTube tends to disagree with conservatives a lot more than they disagree with liberals. And that, that's been somewhat well documented. I mean, PragerU is the best example of that. And PragerU has sued YouTube and YouTube's a private company, which means that they can do whatever they want. It's not about freedom of speech. It's just to clarify that I don't, I think YouTube, if YouTube wants to demonetize somebody they disagree with, they have a right to do that. It's their company, it's Google's company. It's not the government doing it, and that, that's the difference, and I need to clarify that. But what's come out of Crowder and Ben Shapiro and PragerU is that Patreon has been massively effective, where if somebody likes your content, but they don't, YouTube doesn't want to allow you to make money, there are other ways that people can make, give you money to support your projects. Then there's something, the other thing that I think is the massive thing that's coming is subscription services. So Steven Crowder has something called Mug Club. It's 10 bucks a month. Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire has something very similar where it's $10 a month. And that's what allows them to get around YouTube where the videos are still allowed to be up there. They're on age restriction mode, but they don't make money from YouTube anymore. They make money by just putting up their videos on YouTube and having in-house sponsors on their videos on YouTube, not having any advertisements on it, and then say, hey, you could see the full show over an hour thing. That's daily for $10 a month. And 
that's coming for everybody else, and that's going to be the death of YouTube. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard a lot about this. I actually frequent uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's always talking about uh, what they are and aren't allowed to say in order to get demonetized on there. Um, it's, it's kind of strange, and I think the the toughest part about it is that YouTube is, is like the video source um, uh, there, there's Vimeo, but Vimeo isn't very actively used. And then, but YouTube is the the main thing. If you're gonna watch some some videos online, you're gonna be on YouTube 98 percent of the time. Um, there's you know. only one other site that is extremely similar to YouTube, and it's successful for the sole reason. And I don't know who's listening to your audience, but Pornhub. Pornhub, <laughs> you could you could argue is the same thing as YouTube for a specific topic. Right. That 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 those are the those are the two mega video sites yeah. in America, undeniably. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I agree. Um, I like what you had to say about uh, work life balance because currently I'm I work full time. I got a, a nine to five as well, and I'm trying to do the podcast. Uh, my son's about four months old now, and uh, I'm actually planning on getting back into school full time again alongside of all those things, and I'm trying to run and get in good shape and eat right and everything else so it's it's been a an interesting go for me right now to try to balance everything out and keep keep my wits about me so, so uh what's happened to me about that part of the reason why i'm taking a break from from writing is because a right now i i'm not reading much mm-hmm. so so and also i just want to watch a very simple show and i don't want to kill myself and we said, I'm, I'm right now applying for a bunch of jobs, new jobs. So I have a job, but, but I want a better one. Mm-hmm. No, nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm happy. I'm content, but, but I want a better position because it's a temporary job that's going to expire in six months. And so I'm smart enough to look six months in advance that I have feelers out there. So, so, so that's preoccupying my time. And then the other thing that's preoccupying my time is that I have 25 podcasts in my backlog that need to be edited. And oh, wow. as any podcaster will tell you, anybody who does any video work that's not live, and, and I don't do live things, I don't feel comfortable. I, I'm just not comfortable in which that I have a live segment that I enjoy, that I do, which is my panels, which I stream on Facebook Live. I enjoy that aspect. I don't like doing a podcast live. I don't feel comfortable. And I don't do it because it's just not my style. But what I'm now doing is I'm editing, and I have three of them done so far out of that 22 to 25, I'm trying to figure out somewhere around there, that haven't been released. And what I'm doing is I'm loading up the truck so that I'm going to have like 15 of them done. And so I'm working, but it takes a huge amount of pressure off. Like, to, today, I had a bad day at my job. I'm going to be quite honest. I had a bad day. If I had a strict deadline to get podcasts out and I had a bad day, I don't know how I would do it. And, and I've been down that road through my season one where 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 it's been a nightmare. And then I tried doing that with my season two, and it doesn't work. And it's unfortunate that it, it kind of sucks for the fan. Because if you like my show, I can't afford an editor right now. I can't afford to 
get episodes out, especially when I do like, I just did an hour and a half long interview with somebody. I actually did two hour and a half long interviews with two people back to back within a day of each other. And that, that takes a lot of work. And I mean, I'm asking questions, I do research. I mean, every podcast I do takes anywhere from nine to 15 hours worth of work. And because it's the research, it's understanding the mentality, it's writing the questions out, it's then doing the interview and then it's editing it to, to the best that I can and figuring out how to properly tag it and run it. And that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all right. I get like 150 listens in the first three weeks of each episode, give or take on the episode, but that, that it's, it takes a lot of work. And so now I'm loading up the truck and it's unfortunate for the fan because I can't go weekly. Yeah, it's, it's really tough to keep a schedule, but I suppose that's one good thing about being your own boss, essentially, uh, when you're running your own podcast, uh, is that when you do get bogged down, um, you can kind of push it a little bit um, or, you know, take a break if you really need it. Uh, but I, I can see what you mean about the fan, uh, the fans expecting, you know, one podcast every week, one podcast every two weeks. It, it um it sucks that uh, that expectation ends up out there. Uh, if you get real consistent, and then you gotta, when you do have to take a break, it certainly can affect your viewership. I mean, I could tell you what I'm doing now and moving forward, and I haven't explained this to anybody, and you'll be the first podcast that I explain it on what I'm doing. And this is kind of a double edged sword for the fan is that so now I'm getting my complete season two done. Then I'm gonna release those the remainder weekly. So, 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 so the fan will get about 20 weeks of solid content after content after content because when I was doing my season one that way and I was dying and I was going crazy, my viewership was up. For my season two, my viewership is a roller coaster. For my season one, it was consistent. And so for season three, I'm going to get half the season done before I even start releasing. So then I have 25 weeks essentially to get the remainder season done. And my seasons are about 50 episodes. It's just a personal number I like. It works for me. I think it's enough. I think it's a cool concept. And so that that's just what I want to do, and that's how I want to do things. And so that's what I'm doing now. And so it might take, I might only be able to get, every season might take 18 months to produce from start to finish. And for 18 months, a fan's not going to have anything. And I'm sorry, but if you want to see it, I mean, you got to help me out. You got to say, if fans, if everybody who listened, and I have about 100 listeners, donated $2, I can go out and, I mean, it, it actually has to donate more. If they donated, to, if each of them donated $10, I can go out and hire an editor that would speed that up and reduce that wait time by six months. And so for $1,000, I can reduce my wait time by six months, but nobody's opening up their wallet. And so that that's the real struggle is that the problem can be solved. If they donated two grand, that probably wait time between seasons could be sped up by about 12 months. So I would still have to do all the interviews and that takes time, but I wouldn't be doing the editing anymore. And that that's the hold on. The holdup is the editing. If I had 
a $10,000 budget every year, there would no be no lapse time between seasons. There'd be about a month lapse time. And the reason why there'd be a month lapse time is so that I can go and actually breathe. Yeah. I wouldn't even work during that month. There would be no lapse time in which that if your pockets and you take four weeks off every 12 months or you take yeah, four weeks off, I mean, and your fans leave you for that, then they're not your fans. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, it is tough because uh, most people starting out with uh, with a podcast have their day job and have their family, friends, life going on, and uh, this is all side work outside of your 40, 50, 60 hours a week at work, plus if you're going to school or anything like that, like myself, it uh, it's real tough when you're not um, able to monetize what you're doing because you require everything else you're doing, the work that you're doing, uh, your nine to five, to uh, be able to provide. And then uh, sometimes your podcast has to come second to other things. You know, it's, it it does become very tough. I mean, the the podcast for me and my website has given me other privileges because because I'm in a unique field where as a panelist it adds a level of credibility. When 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 I'm talking about going out and investing in comic books and I have an investment panel on comic books and then you say well I'm a public speaker I've done 34 public speaking events I write about this I practice this I invest it and I have a podcast and I have a website that's six things that that you just mentioned and you're believable and so also IDs as a fan again I, I said to you at the start of all this is that I am a fan first so when I'm interviewing somebody, I'll mention somebody who's going to be in the second half of the season through Tom uh, DeFalco. Tom DeFalco, to give everybody, was an editor-in-chief or the chief editor at Marvel for 11 years, wrote a lot of Spider-Man stuff. So I read Spider-Man. I read some of his work. I like some of his work. You know, So me interviewing him is cool because I'm getting an hour of his time. I'm getting 45 minutes of his time. And so there are really nice bonuses that come with this. If... I couldn't monetize. I'm getting opportunities that other people don't get. And so it's very cool for me because I'm not just doing, you know, I don't deal with everyday average people. I deal with celebrities and I deal with people who have a craft and have a real skill to share and have real knowledge, whether they're voicing a character or whether they're creating a character or writing a character or drawing a character or they're cosplaying and they have 300,000 fans and how they manage that, or they're a professional wrestler, like, those aren't your everyday average people. They have exciting jobs, they have exciting lives, and it's cool to get into their head, and I'm a fan of those people. I see those people, whether it's on YouTube, or I read about their work, or I'm reading their characters in a book, or that I'm hearing their voices in a video game, or an anime, and so it's it's really the fan of me that, that gets that privilege. But it's still hard because that means that something else can't occur. We only have 24 hours in a day. And if you're working a 9 to 5, that that's 8. You might as well tack on an hour and a half for a commute. Now you're at 9 and a half. Then you still got to get, you still got to eat. If, if, if you're single or you have a girlfriend, you got to pay attention to her or him. And then if you're married, you gotta pay attention to your spouse. And then if you have a kid, you know, you know, if you have a two-year-old, it's a little bit different. 
where we're, I mean, you gotta pay attention, but, but they, they can't communicate with you. But let's say you have a seven-year-old and he wants to go out and you gotta take it to baseball practice and at six o'clock on a Wednesday, I mean, you're, you're Wednesday shot. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way, not to mention that I, I don't know if other people do this, but, but I'm interested in stocks. So I spend every night 30 minutes reading about stocks. So now I have 30 less minutes every night. It's built into my schedule. And so that's the other thing is that if you need to prep up something, you know, whether it's personal or not, and investing in my stocks is important to me, that's my future, you know, that there you go. You, you realize that, oh, shit, I have an hour and a half. I mean, last night I spent two and a half hours editing. So, 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 you know, typically on a Tuesday I'll spend another two hours because I watch uh, Monday Night Raw without the sound and I watch Tuesday Night Smackdown without the sound. And, and I find that, that that's a good five hours of editing that gets done. And I actually get a lot accomplished in those five hours. And then I typically take Wednesdays off and then I might edit for an hour on Thursday. But then on Saturday and Sunday I try to bang out as much as I can. And that, that, that's how I get my podcast done. And sometimes it takes three weeks to get one interview done because it's just not enough time. And that goes for any project and all projects is that sometimes you don't have enough time to do it all. And, and, and it could be very frustrating and discouraging. And I go back to the, the words, be kind to yourself because realize that you know, you know, the, you can only do what what is humanly possible. And I, I ask my fans for, for for saying, "Hey, I have a Patreon, come support me," and they don't. And, and it's because they want something free. And then I try to get affiliate links in there, and I have some. They're not really helping. They're not paying off. But you know, I'm I'm figuring it out. And where where I'm at right now as a podcaster is I'm saying fine. You guys don't want to do anything. I'll just continuously build out my name. And then there will be a tipping point, hopefully. And then there's going to be 90 affiliate links at the start, in the middle, and at the end. Because you didn't pay in the beginning. When I asked for saying, hey, if all my listeners would give me a dollar, I can get an extra five episodes out. I can get an extra episode out a month. And you guys are happy. And it's a quarter a week. And you guys didn't want to do that. Now you're stuck with 15 minutes of ads, and that that and, and and I don't mean to sound vicious when I say that, but that's the trajectory that I'm going, and that's the way I'm figuring things out. Is that at some point, and, and it applies to other things in my life too, is that if you, it's kind of like you pay your dues and then you get to build a lot more later on, and that's what I think is what's going to eventually happen. Because most podcasts don't make it past episode six. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true. I'm at actually this is we're recording episode seven, so I guess I uh, I must be above average. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy, and then most podcasts don't get past episode six, and it's really hard to monetize. But 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 I think that that, that it's coming, and I think that this this free stuff. I think I think the the, the world the, the world we live in. I mean I mean I don't know if, if you saw the tweet about it was something about like telling an artist if they they financially struggle they should have gone into tech 
don't know if you've seen this tweet. It's, it's gained I, I a lot have. of traction yeah. in the last few days. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that. I, uh, a few few of my friends had shared it, and uh, it, it's definitely a neat neat thought because uh, most people don't think of artists um, like paying for somebody's uh, efforts, the, their time, that the artists work. Um, people uh, certainly get a lot of free stuff these days, especially content. Um, but at some point, when somebody's put that much time and energy into it, they uh, they quite honestly deserve that. Uh, that mo monetization of their time and energies that they're putting into it, and then not only, um, the, basically, what ends up happening is the the fans get that much more content because maybe they don't need to work a nine to five anymore because they they're able to make the money off of their their um, their passion. For you, with you, for instance, you would be making money off of your passion of the anime, the comics, and the pop culture and the wrestling and everything else. It's not even the money. All I want is this thing to be sustainable. I want the ability to hire an editor. I don't need to make money off of this because what, what, what I want is that I want to do this three days a week. I want to do this on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And, 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 and I'll be happy to do my nine-to-five job. I want to work a nine-to-five job. I don't need to make money off of my project. What I want is I don't want to do the editing anymore. Yeah. I, I want somebody else to do that for me. I want to outsource that. I want to be done with that. That costs money. So what, what, what fans have to understand is that, and, and this, this, this doesn't necessarily apply to this tweet, but, but that, that tweet hits on a very interesting point. And, and there's, there, there, there's something else I'll talk about with that tweet in a second that I think is also interesting that that tweet didn't address. But what I want is that because if if somebody if, if I had enough money to hire an editor every single week to get it out, there would be no there'd be a fifty episodes a month, fifty episodes for season two a month, fifty episodes for season three. So in the matter of thirty nine months, my fans would have hundred and fifty episodes of content. They'd have more content, they'd have better content, and it wouldn't even be that expensive for them to do it. And they're gonna win more, and, and 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 that's what they don't understand is that I'm not looking to make bank on this. I'm looking to find an answer on how to bring better content quicker, because I think I'm decent at this, and I think I'm a decent interviewer. I have a tendency to ask good questions, and I'm just getting I'm getting better and better because it is a muscle, and so that that's where I'm at. So I'm not even asking to be compensated. I'm asking for, for somebody to essentially pay my expenses of hiring an editor so you can have your content quicker. You're, you, you pay, you win. You're, you're, you're paying for essentially it to be delivered to you faster. Nobody's making money on, on what I want to do. Or at least I don't want to make money on it. I want to just get it out faster. If I had a surplus, what I would do is I would release double episodes. I, I'm not... I would because I think the real money in this is, is in something else as, as far I don't think this is a career as a podcaster for me I think the real money would be in merchandise if I got to that level I think the real money would be in public speaking which I already do at conventions which is the other thing and why I brought up the tweet so the way anime conventions work and it's similar to podcasting is that anime cons typically have guests 
And sometimes they pay their guests, voice actors and comic writers and things like that. Sometimes they say, hey, you know, we'll fly you out, especially with voice actors, and we'll pay, take care of all your food and everything. We'll put you up in a hotel, and they get a free vacation if they show up as a guest to this con. Maybe be able to sell some of their merchandise. And sometimes it's a hybrid of the two. What they also have at these cons is they have panelists. And as a panelist, all I get is a free batch. Now, while I appreciate the free batch, I was at an anime con, and I'm going to mention their name if you're cool with that. Yeah, no, no issues. I was at Anime USA. I did six panels. For everybody who did one panel, they got a free batch. I did six. I should have been taken care of better. They, they were, there were guests there who, who were getting paid and taken care of and getting their hotel room comped and essentially getting their food stipend and might have been getting a little bit of money or not even or, or getting major publicity and being featured panelists who did seven. I mean, with, with all due respect to that kind, I just did six hours worth of work, not to mention the backlog to do those six hours. In order for me to build a panel, the first time I built it, it requires about 12 hours. I built for that con two new panels. And then I had to maintenance three of them, and then I had to do a bigger revamp of the fourth one. So collectively on my backlog, I did about 40 hours worth of work. I did a week's worth of work. And, and, and I get paid nicely. So if they were to actually pay me, would I get paid at my job? I mean, I mean, the, two tickets or three tickets doesn't even come close to what I've been paid at my job, plus the six hours that I was working. So, you know, that like you want to talk about artists, public speakers like that. I mean, I think being a panelist in many ways, and I think that's changing, and I think that's going to change. And I'm going to a con, and. They have all these cosplayers featured, and I like cosplayers, but what about somebody who's actually getting up in public speaking and inciting and, and, and sharing information and knowledge? And, you know, I mean, that, that that's my issue right now with all of this is that there seems to be a lack of appreciation for podcasters, for, for, for anybody who's doing something that hasn't reached that main stage. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing you. Um, that certainly can uh, can be the cause of, of plenty of issues for, for folks. Oh, man. And 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 for, for for me, I'm frustrated with it. And, and, and what 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 I ultimately want to express is that there's nothing wrong with being frustrated. But 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 one of the things that I think this community has to do, and I don't think that that it's done well enough, is that I think that in many ways. If you're a podcaster, like I like Joe Rogan, I like Dave Rubin, I like Ben Shapiro, I like Sword and Scale. You know, you know, I like those shows. I like a variety of shows that, that are big. But also, I think that in, in the community, one of the things to, to be more positive, despite my frustrations, I think in many ways, we on the bottom rung have to support each other. And, and you have to support, and support doesn't have to be monetary. What would mean more to me and, and, and this is going to sound crazy, is that I want somebody to just share my tweet. So I put out a um, podcast interview yesterday of somebody, and they liked it, who I interviewed. 
But mm. I don't want you to like it. I want you to retweet it. Like, 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 like because if you, I don't, the dollar that, that you give me a month on Patreon, or Patreon, isn't really going to help me in, in the long run. Now, if 10,000 people gave me a dollar every month, that would help me. But, but, but 10,000 people aren't. But if 15 people retweeted my podcast interview, that now can potentially reach 10, like a million people, potentially. Or it could reach 100 people. Or it could, and, and, and out of those 100 people, what if 10% listen? That's 10 listens. That's what I think needs to happen, where I think that what, what podcasters and artists and all these people who are on the bottom rung, I think we need to form community. And I try to do as much outreach as possible because it's important in which that sometimes what, what I do is I shoot messages to, to fellow podcasters saying, hey, I'll, if you retweet my stuff, I'll retweet yours because we were swapping audiences. And I think that's something that I find to be extremely effective when I'm doing a project. And, and for anybody else who's doing a project, I mean, uh, I'm going to give everybody, uh, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to give some of my social media links and things like that at the end of this. But I'm always down to swap just a tweet here and there with people, and it works because that 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 introduces people to audiences. And while you might say to yourself, "Well, they're going to steal my competition," sort of, but, but there's also room for everybody, especially when you're that low. Being exposed to somebody's audience and being exposed on somebody else's Twitter or saying, "Hey, if you retweet my thing, I'll retweet yours." I mean. That's the idea, is that getting as much exposure as possible. It's why I do anime cons, even though they don't pay me, because when I'm sitting up in front of a panel, what I do is I have a ground game. And one of the ground games that I do is I bring 250 business cards, and I make sure that I get all 250 of them in, in, in people's hands. Now, sometimes those business cards end up on the floor. And I see them on the floor, but I also say to myself, look, there's 30 of them on the floor. That must mean there's 220 are still in fair game. I can make an assumption that, that, that maybe another 20 of them are in the garbage. So it's just a one fifth of them are, are out of play, but now 200 of them are in play. And then if you start looking at numbers and you start narrowing it down, maybe 250 business cards costs $25, maybe 30 at the most. I mean, 500 costs like 56 bucks for Mr. Print, which is not a lot of money. Um, actually, it's probably even cheaper than that if, if I'm going to start thinking. But what what it is is that let's say that out of those 200, only 50 people now listen to my podcast. I mean, I just got 50 people listen to my podcast for $30, and then, then, then I mean, I mean, we we could divide that, and I'm not good at math. But that's a pretty good return on my dollar. I think it's like 75 cents a listen. And then who knows, maybe 10 of them are now subscribers and they're going to stay with me for two years and listen to 80 episodes. So, I mean, if, if you look at it like that, I think I think that, that that's really encouraging. And despite my frustrations, there, there is that out there and that adds up. And I'll tell another quick story of what just happened to me. 
I don't know how familiar you are with San Diego Comic Con and Pop Funkos. Yeah, I've I've heard of a decent amount of this stuff. Uh, my brother and a couple of my good friends are uh, they go to a lot of this stuff. I I never got into it. I I watch a lot of Marvel stuff, but I never got into the the Comic Con and the Anime Cons and all this the, these things. So what wound, what wound up happening is that Pop Funkos are these like figurines, and some, somebody in your audience will probably know and will know what I'm talking about. But for those that don't, um, the figurines of everything everything is is done by pop funkos they essentially license these things and they're like three and a half or four inches and they got cool stuff so san diego comic-con just happened and there was an exclusive line and they were spread across gamestop fye hot topic and target walmart i think was in on it and a few other stores martin noble was in on it essentially everybody was in on it is the bottom line amazon has a few exclusives things things like that so what ended up happening is that I'm waiting online in GameStop and I'm wearing a Young Bucks t-shirt and I'm just talking about it and then the guy sees my Young Bucks t-shirt and we're just having a conversation and I saw it as an opportunity to network. And so what I did is I handed my business card because I always carried about 30 business cards on me because you never know when you're going to strike up a conversation with somebody. You know, I... I, I right down the street kind of at the bottom of my apartment building there's three restaurants and i was in one day in one of them and the cashier saw my shirt and he's an anime fan and we just spoke up and i handed him my business card and so that that's the other thing that despite everything that's going on one of the things that we as podcasters artists creators and i can't reiterate it enough is that always have business cards because the smaller you are, or the less corporate you are, the easier it is to maneuver. And if you're a big corporation, or you're a big, you know, comic fan, it's a lot harder. Or a writer, or you're a big, you know, celebrity, it's a lot harder to hand out your business card and do a ground game. And there have been plenty of successful people who have done ground game, and had, they might not be a millionaire, but but. I mean, if, if you have 10,000 or let's say you have 1,000 fans and they're giving you $50 at each of them a month, you have a pretty solid income stream. You have you have a pretty good job. I mean, and, and you're creating art and they're giving you $50 a month and you have 1,000 of them and they're your fans and they're supporting you. You might not be rich, but you get to do what you want and, and you, you, get, you get to live your life. And that's the way you do that and build that is grounding. Now, if, and that number can only go up. So if you just started with five fans giving you $5 a month, you now have $25 to create art. Then if you get a six fan just by going, showing up and handing it, you're just going to say, hey, this is what I do. It's really cool. You should check it out. You never know who's who. You could very well be just sitting next to somebody who just so happens to be working for, for a major company. And then takes a look at this and says, this is, this is great. This is amazing. This is fantastic. There's plenty of stories like that that are just overnight successes because of grounding. If you never know who you're handing your business card to, and if you do not have business cards and you're running any type of project, whether you're doing art, a podcast, a webcomic, you're writing a short story, 
you know, you're, you're just public speaking, whatever you're doing, if you don't have business cards, you're losing a whole sector. And then the other thing that I'm going to do, and, and I can't speak about it, but, but I spoke about it on another podcast, is that I'm going to a con this weekend. So January, uh, July 27th, 28th, and 29th, it's called Blurred Con. It's in Crystal City, Virginia. And for the first time, I'm actually handing out buttons with my logo and my name on it. And I'm going to see how that goes, because that might have a very different effect than a business card, because now it's a lot harder to throw out a button. And it is a business card. Yeah, no, the the ground game is certainly a, a big deal. I can't remember. It was a pretty pretty big podcaster that I was listening to the other day, and uh, he was mentioning that uh, specifically if you're into comics, so uh, your podcast is, is delving into comics, to go into um, a comic book store and just uh, ask him if you can leave some of your uh, your business cards up with the the guy at the front desk, and uh, if people can just grab them or whatever uh just the little things like that the little details that can possibly uh snag you a few more listeners um it definitely can be very huge for you uh one one question i actually had for you was um did you ever have a, a moment where you were starstruck I, I know you said you had a lot of people that were pretty big names in uh in comics pretty big names in uh, the pop culture and that, that sort of stuff what um did you have any moments where that happened to you so, 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 one of them happened after the fact. And uh, it's, it's, it, it speaks to how, how, how um, a, few, a few situations have happened to me where I interviewed somebody and then their career exploded about a month later. And, and whether they knew their career was going to explode, and they're like, look, I'm going to give somebody a break here, and I know that it's going to look really good later on because he can interview me before and it's going to be released. I don't really know how that came about. But um, I'll talk about Nixon Noel, uh, Tegan Knox. Um, and, and if you don't know what Tegan Knox is, look up Harry Potter. Um, she, she's a big Harry Potter nerd. Um, so Nixon Noel, or, or, or Tegan Knox, however you want to call her, or what you want to call her, it's up to you guys. She is an NXT WWE superstar. So she's in NXT, which is WWE's minor league brand, but it's televised. It's basically, they're building the future today, is their tagline. So she was in the UK and relatively young, and kind of maybe 18 months out from a WWE contract, didn't really know if she was going to be in WWE, just wrestling on the UK circuit, and just hit her up. Really cool that I got the interviewer from, you know, I'm us she's in the uk we're over skype fun nice girl and then uh, 14 months later kind of go on you know wikipedia find out it's like oh nixon noel she's in nxt and she just signed a contract two weeks ago and it said that kind of wikipedia and i'm like is this the nixon noel that i interviewed and i had to go back and i'm like oh this is that's cool this is interesting this is kind of cool. Maybe I know who's relevant. And so it's one of those moments where I don't know when, when I was doing the interview if I was starstruck. And, but but that, that's one instance. And then the other instance, um, which is always cool, is that I am a big uh, Batman fan. And one of my favorite books is Nightfall. And so Nightfall introduced Bane. 
uh, creation, first appearance of Bane, written by Chuck Dixon. A lot of other people were involved in it. Big, big uh, storyline going on. When uh, you find out that Batman's immortal, Bane breaks his back. Um, if you've seen the third Dark Knight movie, somewhat based off of Nightfall, and that's what uh, interviewing Chuck Dixon, really nice guy, really cool guy, talking a lot about stuff. And uh, Chuck Dixon is ran Batman for about seven, eight years, the most prolific 90s writer. Uh, you could argue that he's probably one of the best Batman writers and it was arguably one of the best Batman teams in, in all of DC. Nothing taken away from anybody current, but interviewing him was really cool. And what's really interesting about him is that he's very uncensored. And unfortunately, comic books and not used to be political, but now it is very political. If you don't have the right politics in DC or Marvel, you can get into trouble and you could get bad books, you could get less money, and he's obviously not with them anymore, or his contract allows him to do whatever he wants. He has rights of first refusal, and he was just very candid, and he was talking about it, and we got to talk about Batman, and we got to talk about all sorts of fun stuff, and we also got to talk about politics, because he is a Republican in a very liberal medium, and he has a very different opinion, and there was a point that, that that things changed, and he was on his way out of DC Comics when things started to change, and we kind of touched a little bit upon that. And then, fast forward, you know, Clinton Cash, he uh, got to write the graphic novel of that, and that was um, a very, very, you could argue, a very significant point in graphic novels, where that was one of those things that really was never done before whether you agree with Clinton Cash or not and we don't have to get into the politics of that but the fact that now we are not in this superhero genre and Breitbart okay, whether you agree with them or not um, they took a big gamble on that and they made a lot of money on it because they brought in a lot of people who, who are not comic book fans who, who, who have no interest in comic books but, but, but have a political position and they went out and bought that book and they bought a graphic novel and it fulfilled the need and you can make the argument that Clinton Cash changed things a little bit where it brought in a good chunk of fans saying hey maybe graphic novels are not about superheroes and so interviewing him for me was very cool because it's a very different interview than what my fans expect. And then the third one I want to talk about is Santine Felix. Um, and that's episode 39. And for, for anybody who's interested, um, very, very intense interview. Talking a lot about her career, her early days. You know, she look her up. Uh, she should give you, it's definitely more of an adult topic we, we talk about how she was abused as a child and then how it led to a sort of career and in the adult world slightly and in that field and then how she transitioned as an artist and you know um, comic book drawing and things like that and you know how 
how she got on cocaine and things like that and that entire world and very different clips into society and I just like her she's really cool and really fascinating human being and amazing and she, she's been on a tabletop a few times and really really cool just to be around and uh, it's fun because I actually have to hang out with her in DC where I live so <laughs> It's cool when, when sometimes you have to hang out with people also that you interviewed and that you know sort of well. And uh, let's just say that uh, her mind and my mind are in the gutter. Yeah, it's awesome when you when you find things in common with people that you're talking to and, and uh, it brings you down a whole other road you didn't even know you were going down. So I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from there. Um, yeah, her, her and my mind, we're, we're walking through the... Um, museum of like natural science and every five seconds obviously if she has an adult mind she just whispers to me something and i whisper something back and, and it's clearly that that they were having a conversation that that that, that we, we we're not going to share the details but, but we're dying with laughter because you don't think this way with normal people and <laughs> like like we're chuckling and people are just staring at us all seriousness and then she's like oh let me look at the crown jewels because and then i'm like and like i cover you know my down south and she just laughs and then it was a really funny moment because it's the type of thing when and, and she's out in california so so, so but, but it's just sometimes people's minds are just on the same track very cool moment with her with her and it's it's always fun to hang out with her yeah, definitely. Um, it was really cool listening to you talk about the the guy who, who um, wrote about Batman, Chuck. What was his name? Uh, Chuck Dixon. Chuck and Dixon. you know what it is? I mean, there was a lot of stuff in there that you don't think about comic books and work environments being political. And there there's something there. And Denny O'Neill uh, is another name that, that I interviewed. And so it's cool, and Denny is a very progressive person. You know, Denny O'Neill, by by nature, is a progressive person. And Denny O'Neill is Chuck Dixon's um, editor, which means that pretty much Denny O'Neill is, is in charge of making sure that this project works. And he's, he's like in charge of the entire Batman team. So you have a, a progressive, you have Chuck Dixon leading, you have, um, shoot, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot uh, his artist who also created Bane. He, he, he's Republican. And you have two other people that one of them might be more of a hardcore Democrat on the Batman team. You, you have like three or four books that tied in. And then you have like this mixture of a political bag and you don't have that in, D, in DC Comics anymore. There are a few Republicans that I know and they don't talk about it. You know, which because if they do, they will not get work. They, they will actually most likely get fired from DC Comics. And we I've had private conversations with, with them, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, because because that, that's just not what's going to happen. But the fact that I can't tell you who is and who isn't a Republican in DC Comics and Marvel Comics, that's a problem in, in today's world. And that's what Chuck Dixon's interview revealed. Maybe not in the way I described it per se, but touched upon that stuff and it's really fascinating and it's very and, and 
I mean, especially when, when you've had a conversation with somebody like Denny O'Neill and several other people in the comic world, you can tell that, that there is a big difference from, from, from the old guard and the new guard. Yeah, the, uh, the level in which that uh, people have to hide their their political views is, is getting pretty intense these days. I, I, uh, I won't get into my political views, but uh, I've had some serious issues with some close friends and family. It's just all so charged right now. It's, it's... I'll ask you a question without going into too much details, and I'll reveal this, is that well, one of the things, one of the rules I have before I preface anything is that I have stopped making apologies for what I say on my podcast. I have said plenty of things on my podcast that I can get away with because I'm interviewing cool people and I'm asking it in a way that, that, that that's an interview podcast. But with the Me Too movement going on, if I said it in the wrong context, in the wrong position, I would get in trouble. But it's, it's a, everything is consensual when I'm asking a question. I'm not asking it you know, in, in a rude way where we're just having a conversation and most people depending on who they are, especially if they're professional. You know, they understand the difference with something being a question and being a provocative question versus crossing a line. But, but those things can get very, very tricky when, when I ask an interview question. And so what happens is that one of the things is that with Chuck Dixon is that I was very nervous when, when, when I was doing him because I'm saying, look, he's an open comic Republican. I could get into some hot water here. And the thought crossed my mind. And so one of the things that I realized is that I stopped making apologies for, 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 for who I interview, what I say, why I say things, how I say things, and where, where I'm going with things. Because that, that's something I can't do. And so in today's world, during the 2016 election, due to my views, I have lost friends, I have gotten FUs, I have gotten what is wrong with you, you are everything wrong with men, because I have a particular view. And that 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 makes me very nervous when, when I go and want to interview somebody who tends to be a bit more controversial, I say to myself, and, and, and it's on both sides, that there are plenty of, of, of people on the left and on the right in the comics, and the right, some of them are hidden, very few are out and open. And then the left, they're, they're not hiding, but I'm also very scared to interview the extremes, where 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 there, there's one, she she is a transgender woman, and she is very extreme, and she has said things that that, that I think it would be fascinating to interview her, but but at the same time, I'm like she is so extreme, and that's something that I struggle with as as a podcaster is that sometimes that there are people that I want to talk to. There's a voice actor or actress who tweets and then disdainly, every, she, she sends out like 50 tweets hating Trump every day. And, and, and I say to myself, she, she, she's Jesse from Pokemon. And she's been voicing that character for like 15 years. It'd be a great interview. But, but, but the problem is that if I interview her and then I throw something out there, am I going to be directing fans? into a position of hate. Am I going to be directing my fans and promoting somebody who indirectly is promoting an ideology that is not making anything better? And it's a real concern for me. 
is that where am I directing people and who am I giving somebody a platform and is it beneficial and what are the consequences for those actions? Yeah, yeah. That, there's two things I took from that. One, I uh, I have noticed that uh, Joe Rogan will have literally anyone on. He he'll have on Alex Jones, for instance. Um, I I I don't know if you have any opinion on this gentleman, but he's uh, for lack of a better way of saying, he's kind of a nut job. <laughs> he believes pretty much every conspiracy theory there is out Alex there. Alex Jones is eighty percent crazy and twenty percent brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can agree. I've only watched a couple of little videos on him, but... Uh, There's a few things about Alex Jones. When he uncovered those secret meetings with the president and, like, the owl masks and, like, like the crazy stuff where, where like, every president has gone to and it's like an all-boys club out in the woods weekend and no photos are allowed, no cell phones. When he uncovered that, I mean, that's great Alex Jones stuff. You know, when Alex Jones uncovered things where it was proven and documented and he uncovered and he was one of the first reporters that the government actually paid protesters to start a riot. Okay, that that's good Alex Jones. When Alex Jones is making up a conspiracy theory about, you know, the, the shooting that happened in Connecticut, so I was speaking to a friend about this, bad Alex Jones. That That's yeah. not okay. I mean... When Alex Jones was doing the Young Turk stuff and then the entire thing where he antagonized them, but then they went and basically called him a fat fuck, get off the stage. Good and bad Alex Jones. So, 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 Alex Jones is 80% crazy. But the 20%, there, there is merit to that 20%. Yeah, that, that's what, uh, that's what I was talking about with Joe Rogan. He'll literally have any anyone on, regardless of he has some hardcore left leftists on there. He has some hardcore uh, on the on the right side of things. And uh, the thing I really like about Joe Rogan, and I I certainly can appreciate, is that he speaks his mind, even if he's got somebody who's hardcore left on there. When they talk about something that he 100% disagrees with, he he'll say it. He's not gonna hold anything back. He's not gonna try to you know, sugarcoat anything just because a certain type of person is on his podcast. I, I can really appreciate how he does that. I mean, I could give you a, a position where, where, where there, there, there are moral questions. So I, I had two interviews that, that, that are very different that, that raised concerns for me. One of them raised an internal concern where I interviewed the um, first openly queer wrestler. I haven't released it yet. I'm still editing it. I'm actually in the middle of editing it right now. And so there, there was an internal thing because I'm like, how do I be sensitive to, to this guy? And I said to him up front, I said, look, I've never interviewed somebody like you. And his response, what do you mean weird? Like, fuck like me? And I'm like, no, 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 you're queer and I don't know where the line is. Dude, there are no lines. You can say whatever you want. And, and, and you know, I'm not going to insult anybody. It's not like I'm going to use any bad words or anything like that. that. That wasn't the issue. I just didn't know where there was a line. And then the other one that I did that crossed a very different line was a decadence line. And I interviewed somebody, and her name is uh, Desi Dorada, also known as uh, Jesse Del Toro in Lingerie Fighting Championship. And so 75% of her career I was cool with talking about. The 25% that, that, that I was skeptical about was her stuff in Lingerie Fighting Championship, which is basically wrestling mixed with MMA, mixed with little to no clothes like uh, that, that that's the concept of it it's a really great concept and, and i love the company to death 
But there was concerns about saying that I want to do this and I make no apologies. And then there, there was some fun stuff that, that we got to talk about. And we spoke about everything I wanted to speak about. But at the same time, there's always a concern for, for me. And I like Joe Rogan and I try to speak to whoever I want to speak to. But there also gets a point where, you know, you got to say, what are the consequences for me doing X? And what are the consequences? And then right now my job isn't on the line where I'm not going to get in trouble at my job for doing my podcast because the two are very separate. They're, they're distanced from each other, which is nice. I mean, but there, there, there is that concept that what happens if one thing starts to impose on the other or I cross a line and then I go and something of mine gets played two million times. I mean, you know, the thought runs through my head and maybe it's premature, but even still, when I'm talking about LFC, I mean, you know, you know, it, it could it could be an issue somewhere down the line. I don't think it will be, but but that thought crosses my head and I try to make no apologies. And that's why I've come and, and I'm getting better at this. I, I used to make apologies for, for, for what I do and what I say. And I'm getting better at saying, no, I'm not going to apologize for, for doing what I want to do. But sometimes, you know what it is? It's tricky to figure that out. And it's really hard because I'm not Joe Rogan. I don't have – Joe Rogan's a comedian. He hosted Heat, Fear Factor. He's got that UFC gig. It's a lot easier to say what's on your mind when you're in a, you don't have a 9-to-5 job and that you have other ways to make money. I mean, Joe Rogan, A – He's earned his money, and I got no issue with it. But if I had $3 million, it'd be a lot easier to say whatever's on my mind than if I had $300. Yeah, as far as the um, not apologizing, it seems like the forced apology stuff is is pretty rampant right now. And uh, one podcaster that I listen to a lot is, uh, his name's Colin Moriarty. He does, uh, it's called Colin, Colin's Last Stand. He's got a bunch of different shows on it. And the entire thing was that he got kicked out of his own company, for, for those who don't know. Yeah, he got kicked out of his company for one tweet. Um, I don't want to misquote it. It was something along the lines of, uh, it was National like Women's Day. Um, like, and, and, and he said something that, 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 that is funny, off-color, yeah, really offensive, not really all things considering. If I get heat for it, I'll take the heat for it. But I don't think he said anything that that was not fair game. Now, that, that's my opinion. I'm not a comic. I don't know if he is. I don't think he, he's a comedian either. But I think I think most comedians agree that it wasn't anything that wasn't fair game. Yeah, the thing I like that he said about it was he was like, it's not even the funniest thing. I He, he didn't even think it was that funny, especially after after the fact. He's thinking like, I really lost that job over something that wasn't even that funny. It was like a throwaway joke that I just, I, he didn't even, he said he didn't even like double think it. He just kind of typed it, clicked it, and then went about his day. And then by the time that, uh, by the time the evening rolls around, he's losing his job because he sent out this simple little tweet. And um, it's actually one of the reasons why I continue to listen to him is because I, I like the idea of, not not a, being apologetic about everything, you know. This is how I feel about it. Um, you know, just own own who you are. You know what I mean? I was listening to Adam Carolla and Ben Shapiro, and one of the things 
is that if you look at, at people who make offensive comments and don't get attacked, they all have one thing in common. They're like, yeah, that's me. Great. You, you want to attack me? Great. Uh, here, here I am. Yeah. And then and, and, and it's really hard to, to attack somebody. It's, it's a lot easier to, to attack somebody when they're retreating. In which that because because you you can then become the aggressor, and so you know you know you know th- th- there's two approaches. So so during 2016 when I was getting attacked, I wasn't getting attacked on my new media though. That that I wasn't getting attacked on. I was getting attacked just on Facebook posts, and I was like, okay, that that's fine. That that's great, great. That that's wonderful. And I didn't fight back. I just was like, okay, yeah, th- this is great. And like and like a bunch of other people were like, wait a second. This guy's getting attacked. He's not attacking back, and he doesn't want to attack back. I'm gonna go attack back instead. And like, like 15 people then went after these other like three people that were attacking me. And it, it, I mean, it was it was quite enjoyable to, to see. But the concept is that people don't get attacked, and when you don't apologize, say, ah, "You're right. That's me. Totally made that joke." You know, I, I'm really surprised, guys. Uh, like, if, even if he said something, like this, he said. You know, this is bizarre, but this isn't even the funniest thing. And I like the fact that he didn't attack back. And he's like, yep, that's me. And that's what Howard Stern does. That's what Adam Carolla does. That's what a lot of people do. And like, that's me. Well, what are you going to do? And then they don't get attacked anymore. Because nobody attacks Howard Stern. Howard Stern has, you know, he, he'll speak to a musician. I mean, he had a town hall with Billy Joel. And great, majorly sophisticated... But then he, he, he's just talking about, like, this women's breasts. Like, like it's no big deal. And it, it's, it's the most bizarre thing where, but nobody attacks him. And so that's the thing about unapologizing and not apologizing. I think that's something that when you start stop apologizing, say, yeah, this is me. This is what I do. Got a problem with it? I think people tend to back off because it's not fun anymore for them to attack you. And that's what I think the attacks are from. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't want to rush out of this, but uh, I do have to put my son to bed here in a moment. Um, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how to follow you on Twitter, Facebook, um, and all the just basically promote your stuff for for a moment before we wrap up here. Uh, all my stuff's Pop Anime Comics. The Facebook page is Pop Anime Comics. The website is popanimecomics.com. My Twitter is Pop Anime Comics. I have an Instagram. It's Pop Anime Comics and YouTube's Pop Anime Comics and a lot of other things that, that are social media related that are Pop Anime Comics. Uh, it's all one word. It's P-O-P-A-N-I-M-E-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. If I spelled that right, it's Pop Anime Comics. You Google it, it'll be there. And if I owe you money, don't bother me. But if you want to listen to a fantastic podcast or just check out what I do or give it a shot, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, the other thing is my Facebook page. I do all these anime cons, and I'm a strong believer that if you can't afford a ticket, you should be able to at least see some elements of it for free. So I actually live stream all my panels, or the majority of them, when, when I can. And so I could tell you that I might not be streaming Blurred Con. Uh, I just might not have the Wi-Fi to do it, but I will definitely be streaming um, in August. And so if you like the Facebook page, that's free. It'll always be free, and you can check it out. And if you don't know what an anime con looks like or a con looks like, like my Facebook page, it's really cool to do that. And it's Pop Anime Comics on Facebook. So that, that's all my stuff. And, again, if I owe you money, I don't know you. So. 
awesome. Um, I was going to mention, too, that uh, it, when you uh, start releasing your your next uh, set of episodes, I definitely want to make sure I listen in on the, the one related to Spider-Man. I get into a lot of the Marvel stuff myself, so you've got one listener on on a few, at least a few of your, uh, your episodes coming up. That's appreciated. Every listen is, is a battlefield, so that's appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. I uh, really enjoyed our conversations. Thank you for having me. I appreciate every single time I get to be on a show or anything like this because it's a privilege to share, and hopefully, you know, I help inspire and help other people follow their projects like I'm doing with mine. This has been another episode of the Comforts of Crutch podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, stay motivated and stay positive.